Romans chapter 5. Romans 5, verses 1 through 8. This is God's holy word. He gives it to his people for our good. Let's give our attention to its reading. The grass withers and the flower fades. The word of the Lord endures forever. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, we're coming up on the the last month of this year, and Thanksgiving is an appropriate time to reflect upon all that has transpired in the the last 12 months as a whole, and then this this calendar year so far, ending largely the way that uh, many people see it begin, uncertainty, chaos, and uh, wishes for better circumstances. During the, the first couple months of the year, uh, right as COVID started to sort of take center stage uh, to our daily lives, there were jokes that I saw the online or elsewhere. Uh, maybe if we unplug 2020 and plug it back in, that would fix the problem. And of course, it's a funny joke and a funny sentiment, but there's something sad about the fact that almost the entire year has passed by and a, a common theme of our conversation has been along the lines of, we don't like this year, we haven't liked it, and we want it to end. So I was looking around uh, for the Christmas cards that are available this year, and some of them said things like this, good riddance 2020, and glad that's finally over, see you in 2021. Of course, it's not every card, but it is telling that you can go online, look for Christmas cards, and these are the kinds of things that you will see. So what I want us to reflect upon today is that we should now, as always, be abounding in thanksgiving to God. To allow a year like this to fill us with ingratitude or to take away our gratitude would be a grave sin. 
when considering all of the wonderful blessings that God continually gives to us. I also want to to challenge us to think about our lives in theological and providential ways. This year, just as every other year, will be filled with a couple of the same key ingredients. 365 days of God perfectly working out his purposes in history and 365 daily opportunities for all of us to embrace that work of God, his working out his purposes, and to serve him in faith and hope and love. To view our lives theologically is to say that God is not thwarted in his purposes, that he is always working out his glory, and he is doing it perfectly. One day, God will be infinitely exalted in the glory that his son, Jesus Christ, receives. Philippians chapter 2, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And this year has been a full year of God perfectly leading human history to that point. That is where we are going. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And God has moved us along on the road to that point in his way, perfectly as he always has done. To view your life providentially is to say that not only is God uh, not thwarted in his purposes, but he is so providentially ruling over my life, the lives of all of us, that he has attached his glory to our good. And And so God does not have an off year. He, he doesn't do things that are out of his character. And so to live in a God-honoring way is to remember those things and to allow us to live in thankfulness, even amidst challenges that may come our way. So first, considering Romans 5 and our, the passage before us, thankfulness begins with the gospel. Thankfulness begins with the gospel. Verse 1 of Romans chapter 5 is a beautiful reminder of the simplicity of the gospel message. God saves sinners by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. He saves sinners. To be justified, as our text says, has two main components. To be forgiven of your sins. Your sins are washed away. Your guilt is washed clean. And you are declared righteous. You stand before God. He says, not only is there a clean slate, but there is a fulfillment of my law. There is a fulfillment of all of my demands. I look upon this person who stands in the representation of Jesus Christ. And he finds no fault, no flaw as he considers them unto justification. And justification is a blessing of the Christian life that can never be taken away. To all of those who believe in Jesus Christ and have received this supreme blessing of justification, sins washed away, declared righteous before God, that is something that can never be reversed and never be taken away. It's the foundation for peace with God. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And so since it is a foundation for our peace with God, it is a foundation for our thankfulness. What blessing do we have or what blessing can we know in this life that could compare 
to the blessing of having sins forgiven and being set at peace with God. There may be spiritual blessings that equal it, things that we experience, our sanctification, our our peace of conscience, the assurance of God's love, communing with him in this life. But there's no spiritual blessing that goes beyond it. And certainly there's no earthly blessing or no earthly advantage that can even compare to it. And so the point for this morning is this. There, There may be times where we feel that because of our circumstances, we believe that God has lost his way. Something went wrong. Right? Some, something about this year just was off and we never got on the right track. Because of our earthly circumstances, maybe he made some kind of a mistake. But when we're doing that, we have failed to keep the main thing the main thing. And what is the main thing? Our salvation in Christ. Sinners being saved by grace. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. And for all of those who stand in Jesus Christ, who have gained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, we see Christ's work has been fulfilled. That is why he came, to seek and to save the lost. And you can even think of the advance of the gospel and the kingdom of God in this year, that sinners have come to know Jesus Christ repented of their sins and exercised faith in this Savior, welcomed into fellowship and communion with him. And because of that, they have peace with God. The alternative to peace with God is, of course, enmity with God. To be at enmity with God is to have the creator of the universe as your enemy, to be known as a rebel who has rejected his ways and and to be considered a traitor, an ultimate traitor. He made us, and in our sinfulness, we ran from him. We spurned his law. We rejected his lordship, and by grace, he saved you. J.I. Packer says that grace is the experience of being saved by those who could not lift a finger to save themselves. What could we do to save ourselves? Nothing. God saved us. He saved us by his grace, and for that We must always be thankful. No matter what life throws at us, to have Christ is always to have enough. For it is in Christ that we are finally and fully and irreversibly set at peace with our creator. No matter what kind of year you've had, it is a year of blessing if it's a year in which you know Christ. And especially if it is a year in which you've come to know and love and cherish him more to be more devoted to him. If that has happened, this year is good, no matter what else went wrong. And if that has not happened, this year is bad, no matter what else went right. So peace with God, start with the gospel. Romans 5 then uh, challenges us to acknowledge and embrace suffering. To acknowledge and embrace suffering. Let's take ourselves a little bit deeper into consideration of all of these things And consider, as I said, our lives and history from a theological and providential perspective. We move forward in our text from the foundational consideration of peace with God, with sins forgiven. Paul then speaks of standing in grace and rejoicing in hope. We'll return to that in a few minutes. But for now, I want to move forward to the next part of the passage where he speaks of rejoicing in sufferings. Because of what they produce. They produce endurance and character and hope, or perseverance, and character, and hope. 
In order to get to a place where we can rejoice in sufferings, there is an, an initial recognition that we, have to, that we have to have. That sufferings are real. They're part of reality. And sufferings are not necessarily outside of God's plan. In fact, they are not outside of God's plan. God is always in control. This seems like it ought to be something that is clear in God's word as it's repeated for us over and over again. Yet there are so many who bear the name of Christ who still fail to believe that God would ever allow his people to undergo any sufferings in this life, to, to see any trying circumstances. There's a whole market of Christianity out there that sells this lie to people that God always wills for you to avoid suffering and to enter into a a life of abundance without suffering. It's sold as a bill of goods to those uh, who buy it. This is a willful neglect of, of the scriptures. Not only God's people who recognize the reality of suffering, but really many uh, wise people throughout history who did not know Christ as Savior, did not have uh, the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, who have pointed out that seeking your hope and your happiness in the goods of this earth and having your ultimate hope in this life is, is a dangerous game that very few or actually none can win, right? Nobody can win that game if you place your ultimate hope and your ultimate faith in the things of this life. As a Christian philosopher, Boethius, he made this point uh, by speaking of this life as a, a wheel of fortune. And other philosophers have used that same term. What is it? It's a, it's a spin of the wheel. Uh, some spins return something good, Some spins return bankruptcy or something bad, and that's kind of the way that life is. It seems like a random game of chance. And this is uh, one reason, I think, that people are so so gripped by uh, the allure of the the idea that life is this way, right? That that you can just spin the wheel of fortune and you have to wait for uh, the right return, and things are going to go right for you. And this is one of the reasons why there's that eager desire to flip the calendar to 2021. People say, well, it didn't go right this year, so we'll flip the calendar to next year and we'll spin the wheel and it'll go right next time. It'll turn out better for us. It'll turn out better for me. But what is the best that could happen? The best that could happen is that this life affords you with temporary forms of joy and peace. No one spins the wheel of fortune and keeps winning forever. It's not the way that this life works. Wealth, ambition, fame, high office, good health, none of those things last forever. And so they are not worthy of our pursuit of them. So when we acknowledge that this world and this life are filled with hardship, what does it do? It teaches us what not to pursue as ultimate. It teaches us what not to pursue as ultimate. And that is something that we have been reminded, we ought to have been reminded of this year. And that's something that God in his wisdom, in ways that none of us, none of us ever would have thought of doing, and the way that he unfolded human events this year, that he has reminded us, don't pursue your ultimate happiness as spinning the wheel of fortune. Don't pursue your ultimate hope as being in this life. He has taught us and reminded us what's not to pursue. But 
the converse of that is another blessing that we see come forth in times of difficult circumstances. Not only do we learn what not to pursue, but we learn what to pursue, what we should be pursuing. This was, again, another point that was made by the philosopher Boethius. We need to learn to see that uh, uh, terrible circumstances are of more use to us than good circumstances because they teach us these ultimate lessons. We are forced to seek more enduring forms of joy when something lets us down. We say, well, where is my ultimate hope? Where do I find comfort and peace and things that last and things that will endure the many trials that we face in this life? Hebrews chapter 13 uh, brings us out, and the later chapters of Hebrews do so very well. Hebrews 13, verses 12 through 14. Jesus suffered outside the camp in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. What does it mean to be shaped by the hope of the gospel? To be marked as someone who is ultimately placing our hope in the city that is to come. All of those who live in this world by faith, trusting in the God who gives us something greater in this world, are spoken of in a place like Hebrews 11. So the author there uh, digresses for a moment. He says, as it is all of these, that is those who exemplify faith for us in the scriptures, all of these desire a better country. They're shaped by the hope of a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. To return to Romans 5, we see uh, the kind of shape that hope takes. We rejoice in difficult circumstances because we receive the graces of endurance and character and hope, all of which come to us through suffering. Endurance is the ability to withstand trials. Pressure is applied to our faith, and our faith does not crack. It's inherently forward-looking, isn't it? Endurance, the ability to withstand. We spoke of a few weeks ago in James, the ability to bear a heavy burden, to place it upon your shoulders and to walk all the way to the finish line. That's what endurance is. It's forward-looking because it's saying there is somewhere that we need to get to as pressure is applied to our faith. We still need to go and lay hold of these ultimate things that God has given to us. That's endurance. It's forward-looking. It doesn't find its joy in the circumstances around it. It looks forward to the joy, just as Jesus did. Endurance produces character. Those who have endurance have character. Those who have that forward-looking faith and the ability to withstand the pressure that is placed upon their faith, they walk through the trials of this life, showing things like moral virtue, godly character, living in the way that God calls us to live, no matter the circumstance, right? no matter what circumstance, we understand how God has called us to live, loving him, loving our neighbor, and seeking his glory. Endurance produces character because it allow, allows people to live that way. It's when pressure is applied to our faith that we see where someone's hope ultimately lies and we see what someone's character actually is. When things go tough, we see their character. If you hope in this world, 
ultimately, then how could you accept a year with challenges such as this? Endurance leads to character, and then character leads us to hope. Hope is that virtue which fully rests upon all the things that are to come. Romans 8, verse 24 says this, In this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Hope, in verse 4 of Romans 5, brings us back to verse 2. In Christ, we stand in grace. We don't stand before God on the basis of what we have done. We stand before God on the basis of what Christ has done. And when we live by faith, God accepts our work in sincerity. The work that we offer unto him and render unto him in sincere faith, God accepts because all of the imperfections are covered by the blood of Christ. And so God is pleased. That's what it means to stand in grace. We stand before him on the basis of grace, not on the basis of law. Because if we were scrutinized on the basis of law, all kinds of imperfections would come forth and God would not be pleased with what we do. But we stand in Christ and we stand in grace. And because of that, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Because to serve God in thanksgiving is ultimately a reminder to us and a a, a sacrificial offering unto him That what we are ultimately thankful for is the fact that he has redeemed us and he will keep us until he makes the world new again. So if you know Christ and stand in grace, if you've been granted forgiveness, then you ought to live centrally in the hope of the glory of God. Your life ought to be marked with thankfulness for what he has done. Thankfulness in the midst of every circumstance because circumstances do not take us out of grace. They do not take us out of Christ. They do not take away from us that to which hope looks. And so all of this happens as the Holy Spirit is given to us as a seal, as a guarantee of what's to come. And the Holy Spirit forms in us all of these grace-filled virtues, the endurance and the character and the hope, allowing us to abide in Christ and walk by the Spirit and to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So let me conclude by saying all of this, saying, bringing this to a, a conclusion, summing it all up. 2020 has been a year that will stick out for many because of its uh, unique challenges, its unique uh, rhythms of life that we had to get used to, and hardships worldwide. But it has been a year marked by uh, significant loss and trial and pain and hardship within our own church, within our own congregation. As I think about the, the many things through which All of us have gone, many of us, we all have different circumstances to some degree, but there are so many challenges that sort of flood my mind that that really aren't even uh, that connected to the pandemic. Uh, So many things that God has brought into our midst, challenges, things that are difficult to to face, that have brought pain for so many, uh, unique challenges and trials. And God continues to show himself faithful. There is much to be thankful for, both in an earthly sense, in a material sense, and in a spiritual and a heavenly sense. His good gifts have 
abounded. And if you look at this year, what he has done in providing for us as a church and seeing us through and building us up in faith and hope and love, reminding us how we are to lift the eyes of our hearts to heaven, be reminded what you aren't to pursue, be reminded what you are to pursue and how you fill your life with a desire for the glory of God. And look around at this world that, that is um, oftentimes whining and complaining about the way that things have gone this year. Learn to see this, lot, this year as a masterpiece of God. Because in circumstances that most people say they don't prefer and they have not enjoyed, God has nevertheless continued to achieve and accomplish his purposes in the world and in human history. He has gotten us further down the road to the exaltation of Jesus Christ. His purposes have not been thwarted and our good continues to be attached to that. And at the end of all things, when we stand before Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Redeemer, and every knee bows and every tongue confesses that he is Lord and we see what God did. We see what he has been doing and we understand Not fully, probably. We'll probably never fully comprehend the work of God. But we see what he did. And what he was able to accomplish relative to his glory in this year. We will understand that it is a masterpiece of God. Because no human mind would have been able to fashion and weave together all things in the year 2020 the way that God has. And he has increased his glory. He has increased the love and devotion of his people throughout this year. He's made us rely more upon him. And because of that, because of that, and many other reasons, but because of that, this year has been a masterpiece of God. So don't lose sight of the good things that God gives to us. There's always, I think, always when we focus only on the bad, we're not being reminded that every good thing we have comes from God. There's so much that he's given to us. Blessings have flowed from heaven this year, and we need to be thankful for those things. But certainly, it has been a year of great trial and, uh, and hardship and pain in our church. The world would say that it has been the same way, but in all of those things... God has been teaching us what not to pursue. He has been teaching us what to pursue. He has been showing us the value of endurance and character and hope so that we can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. For his glory can be seen and felt and known in our lives so that we bow the knee to Jesus Christ now, today, and the rest of our lives because one day, The ultimate meaning of human history will be plain. And that meaning is the exaltation of Jesus Christ. So every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. So let's let's do that in thankfulness while God keeps us here below. Let's abound in thanksgiving and understand that all the things we have come from him. And even in the most mysterious way, this year has been a masterpiece of God for his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to be thankful, and we ask for you to give us the grace to do so. Bless us as uh, we reflect upon these things today, fill our hearts uh, with thankfulness and, and praise, adoration, love, and devotion to you. Pray that you will be with all those who are not with us, be with those who are sick or afflicted, be with those who uh, are struggling with, with anything. We don't know the needs of everyone, but you do. So we pray that whoever can't join us today, uh, that you would be with them. 
and minister to their needs according to what they are, according to your infinite knowledge and wisdom. So we pray and we thank you for all of these things once again in Christ's name. Amen.